Welcome to Brand Slam, the Winning Brands Podcast. This is Episode 5, Trust Over Time, talking brand endurance with Frank Carpano. Here are your hosts, Steve Rosa and Joe Kayata. And hello and welcome to the Brand Slam Podcast. He is Adventures founder and CEO Steve Rosa, and I'm Joe Kayata. We are broadcasting from the Ad Galaxy's virtual production studio here at Adventures. Steve, there's a first for us. Thank you. It is a first for us. Um, that's Adventure Stadium behind us. Uh, kind of excited about it. It's a fun, uh, relatively new toy for us. We were the first virtual video production studio on the East Coast. We even beat Amazon and they have a slightly deep, slightly deeper pocket. <laughs> just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just so. a little bit. All right. Today we were talking about building your brand over time and how longevity and trust matters in branding and marketing. For more on that, we bring in a familiar name to sports fans over the last 43 years here in Southern New England, and that's NBC10 Sports Director, my former colleague and friend for the last 18 years, Frank Carpano. Frank, welcome to the show. We are finally behind the mic together. I again. know it's it's great to see you guys, and uh, you know. We, we all have a connection here. You know, this being a Rhode, uh, Rhode Island, uh, people say there's no six degrees of separation. And for the three guys <laughs> sitting up here, and we'll find out about that, why there is no six degrees of separation. But not, not in this room. No, yeah. Not in this room, not at all. NBC 10 has been the market leader for almost my entire life. Uh, I've never known anything else. How do you sustain that brand dominance, that that quality year after year in a world that's, you know, fickle and changes sure. all the time? sure. Well, you know, I think a lot of it is just community involvement, you know, getting out into the community, meeting people. And I think, uh, you know, the fact that we have people who have been there for a long time, uh, I, I think that experience level and then the fact that our viewers are comfortable with us, I think that is really what makes the difference for us. It's trust, right? Branding yep. is trust. A good brand is trust. It's treating people right. It's knowing the people you serve. Yeah, you mentioned that, Frank, about, you know, building that brand and it really starts like inside out. And that's something that Steve really preaches here about that inside out marketing. And for us at Channel 10, it was always make sure you go out in the community, make sure you're at the opening of events, make sure you're at schools. Um, and this brings us to that whole thing for you and I, because we met in one of those situations in the 80s. I know. Have you heard the story? There was Joe was in. I went to a fourth grade class, and uh, I went to speak to this class. And um, you know, fourth graders aren't exactly the most attentive audience, and the kids were bouncing off the wall. Uh, and maybe there was one person uh, here who I'm pointing yes. at who was bouncing off the was, wall yeah. the most. Undiagnosed so ADD. How do I how do I get these kids to get their attention? And so this is back in the day when we all carried a little pager. And uh, you could either set it to, to make a noise or to have it vibrate. So I said, kids, I said, gather around uh, a table here. I said, have you ever seen the dancing pager? And, you know, they were all like, no, we haven't seen the dancing pager. And, and so what I did was I turned it on. And the first thing it did was buzz and kind of spin around a little bit. And I think it was probably at that point Joe decided, I want to get into TV and have a buzzing pager. It's amazing the little things when, when you're in television or marketing, branding, whatever you want to do. It's that the little things that work because years later, came back to Channel 10. I was at a high school reunion and one of the kids came up to me who I was in fourth grade with. He goes, remember in fourth grade when Frank Carpano came and brought up the whole pager <laughs> thing? And like people remember that. And for me as a kid, I remember that. I remember and I'll go back vividly. And I told him this and I told Frank this. I waited for Frank for a year because I didn't want him to think it was weird that like he spoke to me when I was in fourth grade. I was in third grade community school. Tony Petraka came in 
And I was like, I went home. I'm like, I want to be a meteorologist. I want to be like that guy. I want to be a meteorologist. Fourth grade, Frank came in. I went home. I said, I want to be, I want to be a sports guy. <laughs> and so my mom always joked, good thing, a garbage man or anything, because I was very influential at that point in my life that I wanted to be whatever I want. But it stuck. And years later, you know, 20 something years later, I ended up working for the guy. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know about the page, the dancing, yeah, the dancing, page. dancing yeah. page. Very pivotal moment in my life. Yeah. You, you just never know. You yeah. never know what, what is going to turn somebody on, right? Well, when, you know, as the listeners may have figured out already, um, I stole Joe from Frank and I still sleep with one eye open because of that. <laughs> he does hang out on Federal Hill a lot, so got to be careful. Um, but, you know, I just, you know, I didn't want to hire Joe because I didn't want to do that to you. But like you could just when he, you know, he's got young kids, he's working sure. the crazy hours you have. Um, it just kind of aligned, um, you know, uh, someone here, uh, Michaela Kellogg is in the audience today, uh, had known Joe a long time and she's like, no, no, you really got to talk to him. So it's all her fault. Kill her, <laughs> not me. Um, and, uh, I felt, wish I knew about that. Cause I wondered why he asked for a, um, a pager. You know, yeah, a pager. Day, like, I, a pager. <laughs> I offered a flip phone, but yeah. I wasn't good yeah, enough. Right. But you know, Joe's been great. Um, you, you identified his talent young, probably not in fourth grade, but this is where he belongs, the ADD and adventures like I am. Where do you find, you know, young talent? Well, it's not necessarily people who live in Rhode Island, although we tend to get a lot of those people who, uh, you know, have grown up here, gone someplace else and want to get back home. There are a lot of people like that, but there are people from other parts of the country that, you know, want to come to Rhode Island <clears throat> because, uh, Channel 10 is a legacy station, number one. And they figure, listen, we're, we're three hours from New York. We're an hour from Boston. This could be a stepping stone to a much bigger job. And it's a great sports market. So if you want to do sports in this market, there, there's so much to cover. And we cover the Boston sports as if they were our own, uh, which makes it very attractive. I mean, Joe and I can tell you all about what we've covered since the, the turn of the century, you know, with the Super Bowls and the, the World Series and the Olympics. Uh, you know, that's what makes this, this job so rewarding. Like you guys covering it, I was lucky enough to get our season tickets right in the new stadium and when they opened it. So I've been on this incredible run with the Patriots and I'm honored that I got to take Joe to a game that he didn't have to work. And uh, beware, he was like catnip for sports fans. Every drunk you know, guy from Rhode Island that watched him on television wanted to sit with him, cuddle with him. Uh, it was amazing. Cuddle? Did you do any cuddling? No, I did not do any cuddling. <laughs> I did not do any cuddling, but it was interesting to have a, in uh, post-television. So I did TV for 22 years. That's all I've known, uh, similar to you. But when you get out, it's, it's the little things of A, being around family, because that's the main reason I did this, but like just going to a Patriots game with Steve and like hanging out and having a beer and like grabbing food before. And then after the game, where it's like, all right, let's run to the car and not like run down to the post game presser and like work until one o'clock in the morning and wait until Sunday night football over. So it's like the little things I think that like for me personally that caught up and that. Well, let me ask you a question, decision. all right? Because this happens to me when I go as a fan. And I'd be sitting there with my wife or my kids and they'd be going crazy because the, the home team is doing really well. And I'd be sitting there with my hands folded and dad, you know, why aren't you applauding? Why aren't you cheering? When you went to the game with Steve, did you did you cheer or did you so still have your the, reporter the crew eyes? The we were with was, yeah. was pretty rowdy. So at first I sat there as, uh, you know, a member of the media because you can't cheer. But inside, like over the years, I think you probably have bruises on your legs from me punching you or hitting you because you can't cheer in the press box. But, but right. 
secretly we would hit each other uh, on big plays. So at the beginning of the game, I was a little quiet, but by the end of the game, we we were rowdy and, and I was it. I was rooting. And yeah. It was just nice to to be normal. I, yeah. I, I use that with quotations around it. Just normal for once because my whole life I was never normal, sure. never had a normal schedule to be off on weekends now and go to games with the kids and go to dinner and just yeah. just be normal. And I loved what I did, as you know. Like TV was great to me. I had a great 22 year career. Did a lot of things that I would never do. Um, but this is just, this is just nice. Well, he, he embraced it. I mean, by halftime, he was stripping naked and streaking <laughs> like Morgana, the yes. kissing bandit. Yes. Oh, we great. thought we had broken him of that habit. <laughs> yeah, but. yeah, yeah. All habits never die, right? Is that the saying? Um, Frank, getting back to the whole branding and everything that has to do with you, your job, uh, and who you are is going through change. Obviously, you've been in it for 43 years, so you've seen it all. How do you go with the change and, and stick to who you are, but also embrace the change? Because over 43 years, yeah. we've gone through a lot of changes in television. Absolutely. I mean, just, just the way that we gather the, uh, the news or the sports uh, news is, is evolved incredibly. Um, you know, you just you, you try and take the lead from, you know, our corporate people and what they believe is the important things, what platforms you need to be on. Um, and those that hopefully you make some money in because the bottom line is the bottom line. And, uh, you know, you do what you can. Uh, obviously, at least for us now, I mean, the, the goose that continues to lay the golden egg is, is Channel 10. So you could say, listen, you need to be on Twitter. You need to be on Facebook or Instagram or, or, or TikTok or whatever. But, you know, the, the, the gold standard still remains the television station. So... I think that a lot of our attention still needs to be on that. Where is it going to be 10, 20 years from now? I don't know. I, I, you know, it's, it's funny when I, growing up and Steve, you may, you may remember this, you know, we went from, uh, there used to be just AM radio and then FM radio came along this, that's the end of AM radio. And you know what? It wasn't the end of AM radio. They found their niche, no longer music stations, but talk stations that really thrive. You know, the uh, VCR came along and now you were able to rent movies and they said, that's the end of the movie theater. Well, no, it wasn't. They found their niche, and you can't really duplicate the experience that you get going to a movie theater at home without spending thousands and thousands of dollars. So, you know, I, I would like to think, and I believe that going forward, there'll be a place for the social media and, and for us to distribute what our product on social media platforms, but I still think that there's gonna be a place for over-the-air television. And you, going back to the whole theme of the show, trust, I think the team you trust was always the name at Channel 10 for, mm. for years. And I think that is what the station needs to really lean into because in uh, an era right now of so much misinformation, trusting you guys and trusting you, Patrice, Gene, the people that they've seen for years, that's what made Channel 10 great. Mm. It, it's seeing the people that they can trust and rely. When you put on a station or a channel and you just see a new face every five minutes, you can't, you, can't you don't yeah. feel that trust. I agree. So I think that's the most important thing Dating back to this is, is trust. And as a college student, I interned for Frank and he was so, he was so old school. He was like a, a drill sergeant, but I, I needed that as a 21 year old, that, that there was a responsibility and an obligation to get the story right and to get the right clip. And even, you know, put the, we had tapes back then and logging the tapes and, you know, like it was just, it, he was the drill sergeant 
Um, but he was straight up. He was honest. He told me I had a face, a radio face. So that's why I'm. Come on, okay. Steve. You, <laughs> that's why I got out. He told me, yeah. But no, like he taught us to do it the right way. And now you have um, sideline reporters, like I'm going to say, Sharissa uh, yeah, Thompson yeah, yeah, yeah. from uh, Fox News, who is admitting that, you know, she made up sideline reports. And I get it. You, as reporters, you get a lot of cliches. Well, I, I think, you know, what happened there with Carissa Thompson, I think, is a slap in the face to all of the sideline reporters who work so hard. And Joe and I are friendly with with one of them, who I think is the gold standard as far as sideline reporters, Catherine Tappan, Love her. who work. used to work at Channel 10. And I mean, and we saw firsthand how hard she worked to put together her reports, uh, you know, be it when she was with us and then she was at Nesson and the NHL Network and then NBC. I mean, she really puts a lot of work into this. It's She's not just a, another pretty face. Uh, you know, she is a legitimate journalist. And, and for that woman, uh, Carissa Thompson, to say what she said, uh, while that may be the case for her, it's certainly not the rule for, for sideline reporters. Yeah, and, and I think for them, they're trying, it was always a male-dominated field. So I think they're trying to break in and give validity on why they should be there and that they do put in the work and they know sports. So it really is a slap in the face because now... It's, you know, everybody else says, well, see, this is this is why women shouldn't be on the sidelines. This is why guys should be on the side, which they made so many years of making up ground for the Catherine Tappins, the Michelle Tafoys, all these great reporters who do fantastic jobs. And then this this one bad apple kind of ruins it all, which is too bad because you can't do that. And, and like going back to the whole theme of the show, trust. Once you break that trust with the viewer, she can never be on the sideline again. It's just too bad that, you know, those are the big headline makers and, and a lot of people don't even bother to get past the headline. So that's all that they remember. And they don't realize that, you know, the vast majority of people who do those jobs are extremely competent. And uh, and those are the ones that should be respected and and, and should be getting all the attention, not not the these these people that come out of left field with these crazy things. The hot takes. Yeah, yeah it's all about hot takes now yep. versus substance. After 43 years, um, you've interviewed a ton of people. Is there one player, coach, athlete that you liked the best or you liked to cover the best or you enjoyed? What, what is that one guy? Because there's been 43 years. Yeah, uh, well, there's thousands. lots. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. Um, you know, I, I tell this story all the time. And one of my, um, my favorite stories uh, uh, is when the Red Sox won the World Series back in 2004. We were in St. Louis and I was with um, a photographer and after the Red Sox uh, won the World Series, they celebrated on the field in St. Louis. And there was a couple thousand Red Sox fans who stayed in the stands. So I said, listen, get some, get some footage of the different Red Sox fans while uh, you know, we're getting ready to go on. And so uh, he did. And then we put the footage together in a, a truck. And he, he went to grab a couple of hours of shut-eye because I was preparing it for the morning show. And I saw this footage. And, and he had zeroed in on somebody I didn't think knew that the camera was on him was a guy in a Red Sox shirt, had a Red Sox hat on, appeared to be maybe late 40s, early 50s. And as the camera zoomed in, again, I don't think the guy was aware, he um, raised his finger to the air. and He said, he mouthed the words, for you, dad. So, and I still get chills when I tell the story because, you know, it, it's the story that so many people felt when the Red Sox finally won after 86 years that you know, there were a lot of people that they shared so many Red Sox games with, you know, in this case, this guy's dad, who was no longer with him, but was, you know, in this magic moment of the Red Sox finally breaking through and winning a World Series. And to be honest with you, after that happened, even though my dad was a, Red, uh, a Yankees fan, that was my first phone call, you know. So, um, 
you know, it, it's stuff like that, that that really make it worthwhile to, you know, to, to see moments like that and to share moments like that with our viewers is really big for me. And that the emotion, that's what I fear we're losing as sports becomes entertainment. It's not real anymore. It's not the shared victories. It's about, did I, did, did I cover the spread on my gambling app and uh, all these things? It's, I, I hate what the message it's sending to our kids. Uh, you know, taught, sports taught me a lot of the success I have had in business has come from hard work and lessons from mentors like you. Winning has changed. So when we were younger, like when the Red Sox first won a World Series, it was like absolutely incredible. Yeah. And now this generation, all they know is they like my, know. my kids think that I, I went to a, a, a Super Bowl every year yeah. because every year I'd come back for, for a, Super a while. Bowl. You did. I did. <laughs> Out of six years, I think I went five in a row. And my son at one point was like, hey, dad, can you get me that Tom Brady thing again next year when you go to the Super Bowl? And I, I had to explain to him, like, I don't go every year. I only go to the Patriots. He's like, yeah, the Patriots play every year in it. So I think that this generation is also I know. different. Yeah, like they're I, used to it. I mean, I remember the 1980s when the, the Patriots were winning one or two games a year and their, the PR folks at the Patriots sent me four season tickets. They said, listen, please just give this away. You know, the old Sullivan Stadium with the, you know, the metal benches. And, uh, and I couldn't give them away. And now, you know, the, there's a waiting list to, to get uh, season tickets for, for the Patriots. So how times have changed. But, you know, again, it's all cyclical, right? I mean, uh, the Patriots had a great run for 20 years, which is almost unprecedented. And now they're struggling a little bit. So... So there's the adventures way and there was the Patriots way and the Patriots way was mirrored ours, right? You know, do your job. Everybody's got a job to do. Um, hire people, you know, Bill, when Bill Belichick was winning, the, he, the priority was getting players who loved football and are, you have to love the craft here. Really pains me. It's a bummer to see, you know, the, the struggling season they're having because they got away from some of their, you know, their core values and we're, we're real sticklers here. Well, you know, I, I think that whether it be a, a, a business like Adventures or the New England Patriots or Channel 10, you have to evolve, you know, and you have to change with the times. And if you don't, and that's, you know, Bill Belichick has been accused of not changing with the times. And maybe that is a, one of the reasons why the Patriots have been struggling and also creating a culture, you know, and I think that, you know, based on what Joe has told me, that's something that you have done very successfully here, uh, a culture where you know, uh, every, it's a team, right? We're talking sports. It's a team and everybody wants to work together for the greater good uh, to, make, to make the business a success. Because, you know, if, if uh, the business is a success, then everybody is going to benefit. And that's, that's the way it, it sounds like it is here. We put our egos aside. We're always learning. We're always getting better. We said we have little mantras like we're only as good as our last job right? We want to get better, you know, nice win. Let's go for the bigger one. You right. know, uh, the difference with our, our models, we don't have a Super Bowl. We have many Super Bowl moments, but we don't have that big final game. This is one of our uh, Super Bowl moments. So I thank you for appearing. Uh, this means a lot to me uh, after, because you did a lot to, you know, fuel the, the values that drove this place. Well, you know, one of the most satisfying things for me is to see people who I've worked with in the past you know, interns or, or friends and, and see them become a success. And, you know, I'm so proud of what you have accomplished and, and Joe as well. You know, I'm, I'm, as much as I miss him, I'm very happy that now he's happy and, and able to, you know, spend as much time with his family as he does. And, and that's really where my satisfaction comes from. Uh, you know, it, 
to be on TV is nice, but you know, to be able to to meet people and work with people, do stories about people, and and he- see those people years later, and and now not only dealing with their kids but their grandkids, <laughs> right? No, 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 but, yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to see you know how successful so many people are that, have, that come through our doors is really um, a great part of the satisfaction for me and my job. All right, guess what, Steve? Guess what, Joe? I don't know. That does it for this episode of the Brian Slam Podcast. Thank you to Frank Arpano for joining the show. Round of applause from the studio audience. (laughs) All right. For more information on the show, you can visit adventures.com. That's adventures with two Ds. For Steve Rosa, I'm Joe Kayata. Thanks for listening and see you next time. The donation from our Ad Love Charitable Giving Program for this episode is Rhode Island Community Food Bank. Adventures raised 200 pounds of non-perishable food in our Thanksgiving Day food drive. The Rhode Island Community Food Bank serves more than 63,000 Rhode Islanders per month through food pantries and meal sites. 